Hey guys, it's Q&A Tuesday on the podcast format. As promised, I'm going to continue doing these uh, instead of putting the YouTube videos up. So in the very least, I don't miss a lot of your questions. Uh, Let's jump right into it. First question is from Ed. I've been really impressed with the latest AP Code 1159 two-tone chronographs with the ceramic case. I think the contrast really highlights the design of 1159 line. I tried the white gold model at the AP House Boutique in HK and then put my name on a list. They didn't say how long the wait is, but I assume it should be a reasonable time. I remember in your Q&A episode 89, you mentioned you were buying 1159s around 25% off and then selling them at 18 to 20% off discount off retail, but this was over a year ago. The retail in HK for the ceramic is HKD322, which is about 43 US. Is it possible to get this watch for a discount or should I just be happy paying retail for one of the newest models? directly answer that question right off the bat i would have to actually check so my suggestion is you contact me at romansharf at luxurybazaar.com we can certainly get you a quote on that watch as well as delivery time but i did want to mention the fact that ap code 1159 is finally picking up steam at the time that they came out it was made fun of everybody was trolling the watches the models and so on and so forth that was the first one that said that i actually like the watches i love the overall design look where it's literally a royal oak case sandwich in between the case of the 1159 the new movement is great overall i like the watch i like the price points of that watch and again look at some of the latest stuff that it came out with uh, that skeleton turbion 1159 is grail watch uh, Kevin Hart posted uh, the other day himself wearing that watch. If you guys follow him, check out the watch on his wrist. He said big things coming, which I'm assuming he's going to be the next ambassador for AP. And I'll be honest with you, anything that Kevin Hart touches lately turns into gold, right? Be it a show, be it a podcast, whatever it might be. So picking him up as an ambassador is actually a great move on uh, <clears throat> A great move on IP's part, and if it's going to be the Code 1159 line that it's going to be representing mostly, I think it's going to do wonders for it, and in no time this thing should be trading at list and maybe even over. Uh, next question from Brian. Uh, As a stock trader, I'm curious which currently produced watches, i.e. you could hypothetically buy from an AD at retail, trade the most above their retail price on a percentage basis as a dollar amount. I'd imagine the AP Royal Oak Jumbo and Paddock Nautilus are up there, but that's not even to mention Richard Meal. Well, it really all depends on how you look at it. Are you looking at the brand overall or are you looking at a piece-by-piece basis? If you look at a a piece-by-piece basis, you're obviously going to have Paddock that's going to be in the lead. What does that mean? Well, you have uh, the Paddock 5711 green, right? Uh, which trades at seven to eight times its value. The green with the baguette bezel is even worse, right? So you have these one-off pieces that will trade, that, that will be that breakout, that trade for a ridiculous amount of money, right? If you look at, um, and, and these are pieces you can't get from an AD, hypothetically, if you had the type of history with Paddock that they would want in order for you to receive a piece such as that. Uh, but if you want to look at, a, like, look at a brand overall, I'm going to have to go with Rolex because numerous pieces from Rolex are trading way above list. A lot of them are trading at double list and then some, i.e. your Hulks, your Pepsis, your, <clears throat> your Hulks, your Pepsis, your Batman, your Batgirls, uh, Daytona, Skydweller, etc. So overall, as a brand, it's going to, I'm going to have to go with Rolex if we're looking at a percentage. If you're looking at a brand that has the top pieces that trade over list, I am going to go with uh, Paddock. Uh, Richard Mille, yes, of course, Richard Mille, there's has lots of pieces out there that are trading at double uh, list value, some even more. However, 
I'm surely going off of the amount of pieces produced, and Rolex produces so many more pieces than uh, Richard Mille, obviously, so Rolex will still be the winner, but Richard Mille is certainly up there if you want to look at strictly the amount of pieces out there that are trading a damn near double their retail value and even more. Uh, next question from Colin. Colin asks, how do you think future generations will look back on the creations of artisans de Genève? Will they retain their value? What makes them different from other watch customizers? I've reviewed uh, a couple of their pieces. I think I did something on what's on my desk, and I talked about this in past Q&As. And I said right away, I'm a big fan of the watches, but I'm not so sure as to why they're trading so much over their original retail value. I'm also very surprised that Rolex hasn't gone after them and told them to cease and decease. So obviously there is some kind of a deal with them in place or an agreement, if you will. But with that, things can change rather quickly. My thought process is this. I love the watches. I love their creations. They're literally making a brand new watch from scratch, right? There's really nothing Rolex left on that watch by the time all is said and done. Uh, have they retained value over time? Uh, it depends on how you look at it. So you take a uh, any one of their watches, let's say the retail price for hypothetically was $50,000 and the watch was trading at 100, 120, right? Uh, if somebody go, goes out, if somebody out there requests one, I have to go out in the secondary market, uh, pick one up and resell it to them. And my advice has always been, there are better places to park a hundred plus thousand dollars than a customized Rolex, as you mentioned it, quote unquote, right? Uh, and the reason for that is because there's no history, there's no longevity. We're talking a couple of years, right? I always like to see a proven history in terms of value before making a decision on the future value, right? If you're making a decision on future value, all you're doing is gambling, right? If you don't have a lot of history going back, going backwards on a particular brand and how it has done over the last 25, 30 years, forget 30 years, let's call it 10 years in the very least to be able to make that decision. For now, these things are selling. They're trading over list, the new pieces that are coming out, they're selling out. And the reason is, is because there's only so few watches that they make. So of course, for somebody out there that actually wants those watches, which are kick-ass looking, right? And they're great from a horological perspective as well. We won't get into the bolts and uh, nuts and bolts, but uh, for somebody to get out there and get one, you have to pay over retail. The market was set on a secondary market uh, based on what the first few individuals that got a hold of those pieces were asking for them and the fact that there was a lot more demand. Uh, but now what's happening is you have a lot of guys out there that have the relationship with them that are pre-ordering these watches for the sole purpose of reselling them. That creates a bit of a bubble, if you will. So. How will the future generations look back on these creations? I don't have a glass ball. I've told you guys numerous times. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I can only base my opinion on history. And for now, there's not enough history for me to do so. If you were to put, if you were to, if you were to put a gun on my head and say, Roman, right now, tell me, uh, should I buy this or not? I would tell you now. Last question I'm going to take from Chris. Uh, Chris writes, where do you see Rolex Milgau Z Blue in the next five years? Increase in value, unchanged, possibly discontinued. Uh, again, this goes back to the last question where I talked about history. If you look at the history of the Milgaus, when they first came out with the model as we know it today, with the green crystal, that model went through the roof, but it quickly came back down and started trading more or less for no money as the market flooded with the pieces. It took the same approach that Rolex has had up until this very last hype. Prior to the very last hype, and I told you guys this before, 
every single new Rolex that came out, any new model that Rolex would come out with, it would come out trading high, really high, because people wanted it and wanted it yesterday. And then it would slowly come down, come back down to earth. With the market today, it's a little bit. However, I've told you in the past the same that people tend to look back, and when something kind of flops or goes down in value, it tends not to come back in value. Of course, prices have increased due to the overall hype, right? Stainless steel mill gauges are trading for a lot more than what they were trading five years ago. Their retail price increases, inflation, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that the Rolex Milgauss Blue is just going to cruise, right? Continue cruising along, uh, sort of raising in prices all the other not as hype Rolex prices, not, not as hype Rolex pieces that are out there today. But I don't see a big jump in the future, if you will. They get discontinued, you're going to get somewhat of a jump, but I don't think you'll see them trading on a level than some of the other popular pieces like the Hulk, like the Daytona or the Steel Sky Dwellers. Uh, guys, that's it for this session of q and I hope you enjoyed. As always, don't forget, send in your questions to romansharf at luxurybazaar.com. I'll try to do my best to get as many as I can onto these podcasts. Other than that, I'll see you guys next Tuesday.